Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Sea Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today joining me for episode 203 is Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Keaton, welcome back to another episode of our tremendously awesome show. Glad to be back, and we've got some baseball about to start. That's fun. And we're almost to the main episode, too. Uh, The main episode? Yeah, the 207. Oh, Oh, okay, the old 207 area code episode. I was like, okay. Well, we just passed the Washington, D.C. area code episode. And you know what's really odd is we are at the exact same episode as as the Sox Prospects podcast right now. Wow. Yeah, yeah, really weird. It took them a little bit longer, I think, to get to this point. I think they they have been going since like 2006, but... um. Yeah, we are at the exact same point right now. I think we'll probably overtake them because we're weekly. But, you know, uh, interesting to be at that point. Um, Another great, great show over there. Um, But today we have a very full show of our own. Um, We are going to be touching on some of the recent Red Sox transactions and then talking quite a bit about spring training. So let's get right into it, Keaton. Um, Red Sox uh, made a little bit of a transaction here. 
Um, they acquired some quality uh, prospect depth in Ronaldo Hernandez uh, for Chris Mazza and Jeffrey Springs, two guys who had just been DFA'd uh, by the team. Um, in addition to Ronaldo Hernandez, they also added uh, Eric Sogard's cousin, Nick Sogard. Um, but yeah, I mean, a pretty interesting little trade that happened uh, on the 17th. So, I mean, the day after Jeffrey Springs was DFA'd, um, and five days after Chris Mazza was DFA'd, they get traded for a really solid prospect. Yeah, I love this. Um, affinity for catchers aside, Hernandez is um, probably a bit more polished defensively than he is offensively, but his offense is not far behind at all. Um, 20 homer power. Uh, so far in the minors, he's been scooting too. Uh, 10 steals in 2018, 7 in 2019, and just over 100 games in both. But strikeouts, super in check. Never been higher than 15%. Um, walk rate isn't great, but you know, it's not very many catchers that are. But he can also hit for average um, at every level that he's been in, which has been the lower ends of the minors so far. Uh, he hasn't had trouble hitting for average. Uh, so it's... It's a very interesting offensive skill set to go with a 70 arm and a really talented defensive catcher. The entire combination there is really interesting. And it's I feel like it's probably because of his age that they were able to trade two DFA guys. He's 23, so he's a little bit older uh, for having not played above a ball yet. But um, a guy that we have both talked about previously on the dynasty's child podcasts as a guy that we liked in the Tampa system. And uh, to be able to just swap out two bad relievers who had been DFA for an extremely interesting uh, prospect with upside. I'd love it. Yeah. And it's a position where the Red Sox are weak in their system too. So uh, that helps quite a bit. Um, Sox prospects ranked him as the, Number 14 uh, prospect in the system. So that's pretty high. Uh, he slots in right behind Nick York um, and right ahead of Brainer Bonacci to give you an idea of kind of where he fits in in terms of the system and fits in as the number one catching prospect for uh, the Red Sox as well. They have him above um, uh, Wong. Why am I? Wong. Colton Wong. Yes, thank you. Um Connor Wong. Connor Wong. <laughs> I wish Colton, it was Colton. Colton is the pitcher. <laughs> um, too many Wongs. Um, man, I wish it was Colton, too. Uh, Colton is the second baseman. Now I'm thinking of Corey Bre- Colton Brewer. Oh, my God. Names. <laughs> um, wow, this podcast is off to a great start for me. Um, okay. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, you're right. He's a really interesting player in a lot of ways. I think the knock on Hernandez uh, and the reason why he was traded was because his receiving skills aren't amazing. He does have that great arm, like you mentioned, um, but receiving's a little bit weak for him. And as of now, when we don't have robot umps, that matters a little bit. So that's a skill he'll have to continue to work on. Uh, and he doesn't walk at all. So that's that's also a knock uh, with Hernandez. Is he's just a little bit of an impatient hitter, gets himself into trouble, gets himself out by swinging a little bit too much. Um, but as you also mentioned, Keaton, he doesn't strike out a lot. So that's a pretty good thing about him. Definitely a very interesting offensive player, and hopefully he can develop into something. Um, Nick Sogard, though, doesn't sound like nearly as interesting a guy. Nope. Um only a handful of games in uh, 2019 so far in a ball. And I believe he had, um, he had 290, 20 steals, no homers. So um, he's 23 and just really hasn't played much. So I guess maybe they just don't really know what they have, but not a, not a super tantalizing skill set, but you know, nope. he's a guy. Yeah, a guy for the system, guy for some added depth, which, again, Bloom has just done a really nice job of adding depth around the roster uh, where he needs to. Um, This move is particularly important as we head into spring training, though, because Kevin Ploiecki was just placed on the COVID-19 IL, uh, along with Franchi Cordero, who was also placed on that list, and Chris Sale was also moved to the 60-day IL 
um, with his recovery from Tommy John surgery. So a few little moves there, but you know, with the lack of catching depth in at spring training, you need all the catchers that you can possibly have. So, you know, it helps to get a guy like Ronaldo Hernandez into the system to continue to uh, shoulder some of that load for all of the pitchers who are there that need work. Yeah. And it's also worth noting that, so he hasn't played above uh, the lower levels of the minors, but he was part of the um, alternate site player pool for Tampa last year. So he did get some work in last year and continue to, you know, progress. So um, maybe, maybe that's a bad thing. As you said, he um, still needs a little bit of work on his receiving and they just got an intimate look at him for a few months. Um, but uh, just the skills of the prospects makes it really exciting for what they gave up. I really like that move, but um, him having some experience with the alternate site and uh, those exhibition games, I think will help him into spring training. So he's, he's seen competition at higher levels through the minors because of that, that site. Um, so I, I don't know, I guess we won't know until we actually start having a minor league season again, what development from that site looked like and how far guys progress. But, um, he did at least get to work with some guys in the upper ends of the system and um, guys that were called up to the major league level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Another minor move, Red Sox claimed uh, John Schreiber, a 27-year-old reliever off of waiver, waivers uh, from Detroit. Uh, he's a, a bit of a submarine-type pitcher, uh, is what I've gathered from him. Um, and they reclaimed... Joel Piamps, who they uh, had released earlier um, when they put, uh, I believe it was Franchi on the IL, they claimed Piamps. So a couple couple other minor moves that are happening. So Piamps is just really bouncing around quite a bit. He's been on like three teams in the past month, but now he's back at home uh, with the Red Sox. For the next week, anyways. Uh, so we'll see what what, what happens there. Um, but as we open up to spring training, we have had pitchers and catchers report. Um, spring is almost here, believe it or not, even though you are in Chicago and I am in the greater Boston area and it is very cold still. Um, but what are you going to be watching for as spring training really gets underway? Are there any particular prospects that you're going to be keeping an eye on as, as camp happens yes um the biggest guy that i'm going to be watching is jaron duran uh because of the lack of a true center fielder at the major league level um and the expectation that at some point he can um debut here in 2021 i want to see him get so much playing time with these guys and maybe even push to be called up sooner than like a september late august kind of deal um and get a bunch of playing time in Fenway. Um, the pitching is also something that I'm going to be watching just because I want to see how the second half of the rotation shakes out and whether they actually roll with a five or a six. Um, but I'm mostly interested in Jaron Duran and his progress. Yeah, Jaron Duran is maybe maybe the most interesting prospect <coughs> in the Red Sox system um, because of the steps forward that he's taken over the last year and a half, and also how he performed uh, playing in Puerto Rico and in the Caribbean series as well. Uh, In that Caribbean series um, that ran from January 31st to February 6th, uh, he batted 400 with a 500 OBP and a 640 slug, uh, over 25 at-bats. He absolutely killed it there. He was was actually named to the Caribbean League All-Star team, Finals MVP. I mean, the dude crushed it uh, in Puerto Rico after getting off to a slow start. Just crazy athletic. The bat continues to improve. Um, He's so interesting, man. I I think that you're right. Um, He could find himself in Boston pretty quickly, especially considering the fact that the Red Sox have these these outfielders that are kind of question marks. I mean, Franchi, who knows? Big injury history. Hunter Renfro, I know you love him, but, you know, he's still got some questions. A lot of places where Durant could find himself on this roster. Yeah, absolutely. And I I, I would hope. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not going to happen. But, I mean, if he absolutely kills it in spring, 
it's going to be pretty hard for the Red Sox not to uh, give him a serious look coming out of camp. But I think they do have enough of those like utility guys. Like they also have Hernandez that's probably going to get a little bit of run in the outfield there too. Um, hopefully Franchi comes back from this COVID uh, list soon and can get a lot of work in and spring training because I'm assuming he's going to be out there uh, to start. But all those guys have a bunch of question marks and just right now like sky's the limit on him. So I just as soon as possible, I want to see Duran on the field for the Red Sox. Yeah, I, I get the feeling that uh, he will start in the minor leagues. Um, yeah, Bloom has been kind of vocal about the fact that he he views AAA as having a lot more value than I think um, Dave Dombrowski viewed AAA. You know, Dombo talked about that a few times when he was here. That um, he thought it had some importance, but not nearly as much importance as the jump from from high A to double A and proving yourself at double A to Dombo is is pretty much good enough, uh, it seemed like. And we saw some of those jumps for players, but it seems like um, there are some things about triple A that Heimblum values in those looks. And especially because we haven't actually seen Jern Duran succeed at the double A level with his new swing yet. So I think that they'll probably skip him going to Portland. I think he'll go directly to Worcester. But I do think that they want to see him succeed against AAA uh, competition with that updated swing. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, probably working at the alternate site with it wasn't enough, and they want to see it in actual like competitive action. Before, I mean, he had a much a significantly better second half to 2019 than he did in the first half, but also in the first half he was hitting like under 100. So yeah. it's kind of hard not to do worse. Um, but I mean, he able to, he was able to turn it around to end up finishing the year hitting like 240, 250, which is really impressive for a second half of the season. But you're right, he he's all, he's continued to make significant changes, and I haven't seen that against anybody else who's not on the team already. So that's probably a pretty good point. Yeah, and, and plus um, that season for Worcester begins on April 6th. We do have the minor league schedules um, and. I mean, anybody who's getting to start this season in Worcester at that brand new, beautiful ballpark is probably going to be pretty stoked about it. Uh, obviously, I think the the dream for every player is to start at uh, in Boston at Fenway. But man, like if you have to start in any place, a brand new, shiny AAA ballpark that's pretty damn good. Yeah. Do you have a, a non Duran prospect that you're really focused on? Um. Man, uh, I guess I guess I'll look a little bit lower down in the system um, than than Duran, who I think will start at Worcester. Um, I'm probably looking at Casas, honestly, uh, at, at Portland. Um, that season doesn't begin till May fourth, so I'll have to wait a little bit longer uh, to to see him in game action. But I'm really looking to Tristan Casas to see if he can carry over the success that he had at the alternate site um, because he was just so impressive by every account uh, at the alternate site. And you know what a big Tristan Casas fan I am. Um, I haven't believed in a Red Sox prospect like this since Xander Bogarts, uh, to be honest. Like this, I know that sounds crazy, but you know people have to remember – Mookie kind of exploded onto the scene randomly. You know, he was not like the high draft pick who, you know, uh, shot out of the gate from from day one. It took him a little bit of time. And then when he finally like got going, he was this dynamo. And I think that um, I just didn't follow Devers's ascension as closely as I've been following Casas's from the draft. So for me, Casas is the guy I've followed closest since Bogey, and I just I have complete faith uh, in that bat. And I think that depending on what he does, uh, you know, in in spring training and how he looks at Portland, I think there's a non-zero chance that Casas ends up on this major league club by the end of the year. I think by August or even September, uh, he could be on the Red Sox. I would agree, um, except what you just laid out about 
getting some at-bats at Triple. Although I guess it probably won't take long for him to get there either. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, I also wrote a piece for Over the Monster about um, the potential path for Costas. I think a big piece of it, though, is going to be – I mean, you mentioned that he had a really good season that um, – or I don't know what you call it – sessions at the alternate site mm-hmm. um, and had great reports. How much of that will carry over to actually having competitive games again? Uh, you know, we won't know how it affects – how it affects anybody who was at an ultra set or not until we start seeing the games again. But uh, you think with a, a late start like that, picking up in May, that he still could get to the majors by the end of the season? Yeah, I think it all depends on what he does uh, at Portland. So I think that if he looks great at spring training and then looks good at extended spring training while they wait for Portland to get going, um, if he dominates Portland through July, like through the time where the double A all-star game happens, I could see him going up to Worcester for the second half of July and into August and probably getting up to Fenway, uh, by September. Um, the bat is that advanced. And I think that there's still enough of those people in the Red Sox organization. Cause like, that's one of the things that's been great about the transition to bloom is he hasn't just, you know, pushed out all of the institutional knowledge here. He's actually just added to it. Um, he's had that, he's talked about that collaborative approach, um, since he came to the team and he's really actually lived it. Um, so I could see people, um, in the organization who are familiar with pushing Red Sox prospects and knowing what those benchmarks are, for guys to be ready, the people like Eddie Romero who see these guys day in and day out and Mike Rickard and these guys, you know, saying to Bloom, listen, like he's he's passing the the checkpoints that we usually see for prospects of his caliber. He's ready um, because they haven't been shy about doing that those types of promotions with players like uh, Xander Bogarts or Rafael Devers or, or the like. Yeah, that's a pretty fair timeline. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, So let's talk about the outfield, Keaton. Uh, It it seems like every day that outfield gets a little bit more shaky. We mentioned how, you know, shaky looking it kind of looked even with Cordero. Uh, There there are a bunch of question marks there, and that's why I think it's so interesting, the timeline of Jaron Duran and why, you know, mid-year really could be the timeline for him uh, if he succeeds uh, in Worcester, but like, how do you see this whole thing shaking out? Do you still think that they add anybody to this mix, or is this what they're going to go into camp with? Even though Franchi's got himself on the IL for COVID, I mean, hopefully he can come back soon, uh, and it's yeah. not a real big deal. But like, they still just don't have a ton of depth there for my liking. No, I mean they really don't. Um... The Verdugo is the only one who's basically been a major league regular over the past two years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, the other guys haven't. So it's not a great situation to be in. Um, they obviously believe in Franchi quite a bit, um, giving up Benintendi to get him, and they expect him to be an everyday guy. Uh, Renfro had a tremendous season the last year. He was a regular, but Tampa Bay obviously didn't see him that way, and um, eventually just part of ways with him. Um, Marwin Gonzalez has was uh, getting some everyday time, but kind of all around them. Like the only thing that we really know is Verdugo's playing center uh, and Renfro is probably going to be in right, but there's also going to be times where Hernandez is getting in there. Um, when Frenchie comes back, obviously Frenchie's supposed to be starting out there and left, but Hernandez holding down second base, probably getting some playing time in the outfield as well. Gonzalez, also, Marvin Gonzalez also getting playing in time in the outfield. It really feels like it's going to be much more rotational um, mm. outside of Verdugo um, until maybe Duran comes out. But I'm just going to – that's I had this on the, on the agenda because basically that entire rotation besides Verdugo, I want to see how that plays out in the spring. And is it really going to be consistent? Obviously, with Cordero now missing some time, it's going to get a little bit muddled. But is it going to be consistently Verdugo, Renfro, Cordero or – how much are they going to be like switching and giving guys time in the outfield? Because spring training, we're probably going to see a lot of that anyway. But like, how are the games starting? Or is the first inning or two, those three guys are always in the outfield? 
or is it going to be much more rotational than that? And it, it feels like because they have guys uh, that have not been regulars in the outfield, that it would it will be more rotational. But then, as you pointed out, they don't really have much depth, so I don't know how it could be. <laughs> yeah, so, so like who's in that rotation? Is it Enrique Hernandez moving into center field, uh, Verdugo shifting over to right, and uh, Renfro moving to left, or Cordero staying in the game late in the game with the lead, and then someone like Marwin or Arroyo, whoever's on the bench that day, coming in to fill in at second? Is that how you see them closing out games? Potentially. I feel like because they have made like a rash of these uh, kind of uh, not exciting, but like filler moves, we've kind of lost sight of how excited they were for Christian Arroyo at the end of 2020. Mm -hmm. And they seemed pretty content going into the year with him as the everyday second baseman. So I wonder how often, even in just like throughout the week, Hernandez gets a start in the outfield with Arroyo at second Uh, or is Hernandez really, is it going to be like five, six days a week with him at second base? I mean, you're probably right. It, it's probably going to be more of like an in-game thing where they move Hernandez to the outfield and then bring Arroyo in, but um, they're still pretty high on Arroyo. So I, I, it'll be interesting to see how many at-bats he gets and um, just how they end up utilizing him. Yeah. Yeah, it is going to be interesting. And I think that, you know, what this does to me is it just further solidifies the fact that they feel like Duran is definitely in their plans at some point this year because if Duran wasn't in their plans, they would have done something else in this outfield. And at this point, it just seems very unlikely that they add anybody else to this mix. Yeah, if JBJ was coming back, it would have happened by now. And you'd have to think that, that yeah. they're, yeah. And the reason that it hasn't has to be because they're uh, feeling aggressive about Duran because. There, there probably wasn't room for both of them on the roster, and if they felt that Durant's going to be here sooner than later, then they wouldn't have made the investment in JBJ, and that kind of feels like how it's played out. Yeah, so that means that second base is probably going to be, like we said, dominated mostly by Enrique Hernandez with Christian Arroyo getting some time there. Marvin Gonzalez, I kind of expect to play a good amount of second base as well, especially when Enrique uh, is is out in center field. Um, but I kind of expect Marwin to play everywhere a little bit more than, than Arroyo. I think Arroyo is going to get most of his time at second base. I think Marwin's going to play a little bit of first, sub in at shortstop. I think we might see him in the corners, um, especially you know if, if this thing elongates with, with Cordero. I think that Marwin might start in left field to start the year You know if, if, if anything happens with his health. Marwin has more of the feel of an everyday guy to me than Christian Arroyo. I hope so. Uh, I don't feel as uh, as confident in Arroyo as uh, potentially the Red Sox might. So I, I would lean your way in giving Gonzalez more of the at-bats. But I think this is it's as uh, – lackluster as the moves i guess had been in the off season um it does make for interesting spring training and i am either uh just really hurting for baseball to come back or i'm actually going to be watching spring training games to see how this works <laughs> out and it, it's probably a combination of both but i don't know which one has the lion's share of that ratio yeah i will uh, be fully transparent i will watch spring training baseball if it is on so um <laughs> Your boy, though, Michael Chavis, uh, it's time to have some hard facts about him. I am having trouble, Keaton, seeing where he fits on this roster. Is there a fit? Is there a place for him? Or is he going to be in Worcester enjoying the amenities of the new stadium? Yeah, I don't see how he fits either, and that's a bummer. Um, At least to start, for sure. He's probably going to have to go back there and, you know, prove that he can be a more exciting piece. Uh, even right now, I don't really see how he fits on the 26. So um, particularly with the addition of Gonzalez, that really kind of felt like the last squeeze there <laughs> of um, we've seen enough, which is a bummer because I just, he's still really young and I want him to homers go so far. It's just so fun to watch. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think 
he's going to start there and may just play out there because uh, it's like I don't if he if they're going to have Arroyo in there over him, like he's going to have to do make some noise in AAA to crack this twenty six. I mean, I guess. I mean, I just keep coming back to how like happy they were, or how uh, highly Bloom spoke of Arroyo. Um, but it seemed like he's much more committed to him, and um, Chavis would just really have to ball out at AAA to work his way back into this roster. But I just don't see it. Yeah, bottom line for Chavis is he needs to fix that fatal flaw that he has, not being able to hit high fastballs. Until he gets that figured out, I just don't see a way that he can succeed as a major leaguer. It's too big of a hole. Uh, to to exploit for pitchers, so I don't I don't see a path for him. But I will say, as a Worcester native, uh, Maine South Webster Square area, um, Chavis, pick yourself up some Coney Island hot dogs. Um, my grandma started taking me there a real long time ago, like way way back in the day. Um, Coney Island dog is great. Coney dog, uh, you get yourself a, a hot dog. Have you ever had one of these, Keaton? It's uh, it's it's basically mustard, onion, and chili on a dog. And yeah, it's like a real thin dog. Um, it's it's a it's a real Worcester institution, and it's real close to the, to the new ballpark. While we're on the topic of hot dogs, have you uh, ever had the experience of a Chicago hot dog? Hell yeah! So you enjoy it? You're a fan? Uh, I mean. I do enjoy it, Keaton. Um, I won't say that I like. That's not my go-to dog. Like I would, I would have a Coney dog, or I would have, you know, a Fenway Frank, or you know, depending on. But I enjoy them for what they are. I find them to be a unique hot dog experience. All right, that's a good way to put it. I it's just it's too much on it's, the hot dog for me. It's just way too much. It's a lot of stuff. It's a it's a whole vegetable platter. Yeah. It's just too much. I'm not a great Chicagoan. I think Italian beef is way overrated, and deep dish pizza is terrible, and I don't like Chicago <laughs> dogs. But okay. no, besides that, the city's great. So no Portillo's for you? No. No. <laughs> I do get uh, lots of strange looks, though, but <laughs> I am who I am. Yeah, you're a Mainer, through and through. You, you probably like your red snappers, then. Oh, of course I do. Yeah. Go to. Just a steamed bun, steamed dog, one line of ketchup. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) My go-to ketchup topping, or uh, no, hot dog topping is not ketchup. Um, My my ideal, like, go-to hot dog uh, in the summertime, if I'm not getting a true pony dog, I will just do a little spicy mustard and some chopped up raw onion. That's that's my jam. That's a good combo. I like it. It's pretty solid. All right, moving on from hot dogs here, uh, let's talk about some pitchers. Um, the closer, the back end of the Red Sox bullpen, seems like it's going to be a little bit in flux. We're not sure who's 100% going to have that closer's role. Uh, Adam Adovino and Matt Barnes are pretty similar in a lot of ways. They both strike out a lot of guys, uh, both have some walk issues. To be honest, I probably feel a little bit more confident in Adovino. Um but I kind of feel like this job might be Matt Barnes's to start the year. Who do you think is going to end up with the lion's share of the starts uh, at closer or the opportunities, I should say. Yeah. So we talked about this last time that we were on. So originally this, um, I hadn't gotten Shelly's thoughts. So was supposed to be on this podcast, but was feeling ill. So glad she's feeling better today, but uh, now she's not on. Um, I feel like, it's going to be a mix of the two, and I don't know if Cora will have like those slated roles of for the innings. Um, I think it'll be more of the difficulty of the lineup in the eighth or the ninth, because um, I think that Ottavino is a better pitcher, and so I think Cora wants to be more flexible with his his bullpen. So I think they probably end up with the same amount right around the same amount of saves at the end of the year. Uh, but who gets the first crack? Probably Barnes, because he's the, uh, well, not the incumbent, but just the, the vet with the team. Ottavino being the newcomer. 
but I don't think they're going to have real set roles. I think it's it's those two guys, but I think it'll be pretty interchangeable. I'm going to tell you an X factor here for this bullpen. Um, I would love to see Sawamura take over as the closer and have Ottavino, Barnes, Brazier, Darwin's in, all those guys mix and match in whatever high leverage situations uh, Cora wants and not have either of those two as the closer. That'd be I ideal. I would feel fine with that. Yeah. But, I mean, have that they... comes down to control, right? Samoa's control is kind of an issue, but the stuff is ridiculous. So how I mean, is that different than Ottavino and Barnes, you know? I was going to say, I mean, Kimbrell's had pretty excessive walk issues, and he still could get 35, 40 saves a year. There we go. I, I, I think there's something there. And also with Samoa, he's 33, almost 33 years old. We're not going to be thinking about, like, you know, if you all of a sudden put Darwinson in the closers role, you'd be thinking about, and as gross as this sounds, like, okay, how is this going to affect his arbitration years when he comes up? Because getting saves actually like affects arbitration quite a bit and stuff like that. So you might not see them want to turn over the role to a young guy like Hernandez, but Salamora being a veteran on a short deal, like, screw it, man. Who cares? Just throw him in that role. And speaking of Hernandez, they've, they're committed to him as a reliever, right? They're not going to try and stretch him out and give him starts like they seems did last that year. Way. It, okay, it seems that they are fully committed to that right now, um, and there have been no indications. And also their starting depth is way better than it was before, so I don't really True. think there's a need. And reports on Garrett Whitlock have been quite good from camp early on, so his stuff apparently looks awesome. Great. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Um, So let's talk a bit about that rotation before we move on and uh, get to our listener questions here. Rotation as it sits right now is going to be Erod probably getting the opening day start. Ivaldi, Garrett Richards, who looks fantastic right now. Martin Perez. Me too, man. I I really, I've come around to team Garrett Richards. Uh, Nick Pavetta, um, but then there is some talk that they could extend this out into a six-man rotation, which you know could end up being Whitlock or Andrees, probably Andrees, I would guess, out of that duo. Um, but the the other guys who could possibly be up there: Tanner Houck, Connor Siebold, Brian Mata, uh, all on the forty-man roster. I, I think I would put them in that order: Houck, Siebold, Mata, in terms of likelihood. Uh, to come up and, and get those starts? I mean, how do you see them? Do you think they'll go with the five-man or the six-man rotation to start off the year? Um, Well, I mean, there's a bunch of random off days to begin the year, right? I don't think there's a need to jump into a six-man right away. Um, yeah, I don't think so. Or at least the first through the, the first turn through. It wouldn't make sense. Um, But I, I'm, I don't think – I mean, they have more depth than they have – than they, certainly than they had last year. Um, but it's not spectacular depth. Um, so I would prefer to go with a five. And then if you needed a spot from one of those guys, then you have options for that spot start or doubleheader, whatever. Um, I don't think it makes sense going to a six-man rotation with the quality of guys that they have. I mean, unless... Um, Pavetta ends up finding himself and how continues to pitch like he ended last season. Um, then those guys would definitely have to be in the rotation, but I don't feel great about Pavetta. There's still, I mean, I feel better about how, but there's still questions about it. Six just seems like a stretch because I just don't think they have the quality for it. And I'd rather just have five guys and turn it over, get back to Erod and Evaldi rather than extend out mediocre pitchers. Yeah, I don't see a need for it right now either. Um, so I, I agree. I think they're going to run with a five, and I think there's enough flexibility with those long guys in the bullpen that they don't have to be as deliberate about um, you know all that all that jazz with the, the six-man rotation uh, to start off the year. So I, I feel pretty confident in the five-man thing. All right, let's move on to our listener questions today. Uh, first one comes from Sox South. 
Uh, and he says, I think it makes a lot of sense for Chavis to find himself with a stint in AAA. If he is optioned, do you think he should focus on one position or multiple positions? And what should they be? Uh, of course, if he can't lay off the high fastballs where he plays, it won't matter. Um, that's an interesting question yeah. in, uh, in terms of what he should focus on because he's played a little bit of second. He's played some first, but he's a little bit undersized for that. He's a natural third baseman, but he was drafted as a shortstop. He's clearly not a shortstop. He could probably play third, but not incredibly well. I mean, what makes him most valuable as a trade chip, in your opinion? Yeah, this is a really good question. <laughs> uh, he also had a little bit of time in the outfield, but I don't I don't think that's where he should land. Um I keep coming back to second, but I, I don't know. I mean, I guess yeah, – I mean, you're right. You said he's, he's undersized for first, so it doesn't make sense to give him there. I don't know if he could uh, – yeah, I think second. Second would be where it makes the most sense. But I also think he hit it on the head that um, his return to the majors is probably not going to be the Red Sox. Yeah. And I, second probably makes him the most valuable as a, as a trade target. Yeah, I'd say second or third um, would make him more valuable. If I don't know if this is possible for him to, at this point in his career, eke out any more athleticism um, to potentially yeah. be more viable at third base. But I, I think that that would be very valuable. I think focusing on that left side of the infield um, a little bit more than he has been, you know, when he's been trying to get used to second and first would be a good idea. Um, and, and maybe with... Uh, with Jeter Downs at Worcester, probably drawing at least some starts at second base, um, maybe he could find himself at third base on those days. Yeah. So that might be interesting. Uh, Sam Biggs has our next question. He says, even on a dreadful team last year, the clubhouse seemed to be a positive place to be. Uh, what or who do you think has the most positive influence on the club's atmosphere? I think three things, one of which was missing last year. Combination of Devers and Bogarts together is a great influence. And then also Alex Cora. And I think uh, he had been in the dugout long enough in 2018 and 2019 that guys kind of knew what the atmosphere was and could keep that going in a shortened season in 2020. Obviously, he, now he's back in 2021. Um, I would say those, to me, are the three biggest factors of that positive clubhouse vibe. Yeah, um, I, I think the clubhouse vibe was okay last year. I guess I would disagree with Sam that it was as positive as he thought it was. I think that there was a little bit of a lack of energy. Uh, and I think Cora has mentioned that as well a couple times, that the team seemed to get a little bit complacent at times. And I think that this happened not just in all of the in, in the Red Sox clubhouse, but in all of the clubhouses or a lot of the clubhouses because of the pandemic and everything going on with life. But I think that I totally agree with you about the Xander Devers thing, in particular with an importance to Xander. But I think that two guys who are going to drastically improve the clubhouse outside of Cora, because I 100% agree with you there. Um, Kike Hernandez is going to yep. be huge uh, for the clubhouse. Uh, every report I've heard on him is just awesome. Uh, and then Chris Sale being back um, and with the team is going to be huge. And Chris Sale in a couple of early interviews this spring has already mentioned like wanting to bring more of that competitive – like step-on-your-throat type edge that Chris Sale brings with him every place he goes. So I think they do need a little bit more of that element, and I think that Sale will help inject that a little bit more, which I'm stoked about. Yeah, I completely agree, and particularly with Hernandez. Yeah. Um, Brendan uh, has our next question. He says, what top three prospects have a chance to make a difference in the MLB squad this season? And who do you believe could have a breakout 2021 season? Um, I'm not sure if he's talking about breakout 2021 season for a prospect there or on the major league team. So I guess pick your poison with that. 
Rocky. I'll go one of each. Okay. Uh, three prospects. We already talked about two of them. Um, Duran and Casas, and I think Hauk would be the third for me. Okay. Yep. And then a breakout prospect for 2021. I'm going to go Blaze, Blaze Jordan. Okay. And MLB. I mean, he's already had breakouts, but it's it's the return of the break with Garrett Richards. Ooh, like that. I think Garrett Richards is going to have a huge season too. Yeah. Um, I think Eovaldi has a really good year uh, for the Red Sox this year. I'm looking for him to stay healthy as well. Um, so those would be my picks. I agree with you on Duran and Casas. Instead of Hauk, for my third guy, I'm going to go with somebody who we haven't seen in a little while. I think Thad Ward's going to make a little bit of noise this year, and we might hear from him. Oh, good one. Uh, you know, he was somebody who wasn't at the alternate site, um, so we haven't seen him in a little bit. But I, I, I still like Thad Ward quite a bit. Um, and breakout at the major league level, that's interesting. I think that we will see the best uh marwin gonzalez season that we've seen since 2017 this year i don't know why i feel that way but i just feel like he's happy to be here i was i was gonna make a joke about what happened there and what happened here but probably don't need to the trash cans <laughs> i mean yeah it was, could be related to that but <laughs> is that is that why you think he's gonna have the best year <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> trying to carry my optimism. Trying to be a ha- glass half full guy on Marwin. Fair. I mean, it's going to be unavoidable, but, you know, it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and last two questions uh, come from Angel Rondon. And first one, he says, based on our 2021 draft picks, uh, the amount of pieces we can trade and the Red Sox having a minor league se- season this year, can you predict where our farm system will be ranked after the 2021 trade deadline? That's his first question. And his second question is which Red Sox pitcher finishes with the most innings pitch this year? Um, the second one is really interesting. The first one is also interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna give my answers first. I'm gonna say the Red Sox system after the 2021 trade deadline is ranked 14th in baseball, just barely a top half system. And I'm going to say Red Sox pitcher with the most innings pitched this year is Garrett freaking Richards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I, I was kind of going in the same direction with you with the uh, assuming they have like around a 20th now, depending on which rankings you look at. I figured top 15. Yep. With like 12 being the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's if they get my man Jack Leiter. Who mm. I would love. Who uh, talked about? Um, we got a bunch of questions about this uh, when the Red Sox locked in their draft position. Um, we did a pod with Matt, and there's a bunch of mocks that had Jack Leiter going seventh, and I was like, "Hell no, no way he gets past the Red Sox at four. Gimme!" And boy, did he have a wonderful debut. So with him, I think they can get up to twelve, but they'll probably be in that like twelve to fifteen range. Uh, I love that. And Jack Leiter was pumping 100 in his first start with Vandy. So um, that's looking pretty damn good. They're going to have some nice options picking fourth. Really nice. Uh, I I want to go with Richard as my choice, but I feel like it'll be Martin Perez. <laughs> oh, man. That's the boring safe choice. We've switched roles apparently. He, <laughs> we really know. have. What's what's happening? But we we'd better end this podcast before anything crazy happens, and we Freaky Friday or whatever the body switching thing is that people do. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> All right. So before we get out of here, uh, Keaton, is there anything that the people should be checking out that you've written or done lately? Uh, yeah, I just wrote up a piece about where the Red Sox currently stand within the division um, after some projection systems came out. Dakota uh, came out with um, what their thoughts on the 2021 season look like. Fangraphs came out with theirs like a, a week or so before Pakoda. Uh, at Baseball Prospectus, Fangraphs was much more optimistic and had, I think it was 87 or 88 
wins. Uh, Pakoda had him at 80, but I just kind of took a look at the projection systems and the Red Sox uh, at a high level and uh, how the projection systems see them and what could attribute to their outcome here in 2021. That's OverTheMonster.com. I also uh, wrote a piece at OTM uh, yesterday uh, on why the Red Sox should not extend Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, why he should not be an extension priority uh, for them. So check that piece out. And uh, yeah, that's it. So thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you taking the time out of your day to add us to your routine, whether you're at the gym or you know, listening in your car or to wind down or whatever. Uh, We do appreciate being part of your day and the support. So please tell your friends, subscribe to the show, rate and review us. Thank you very much. So we'll be with you.